2: We catch up with Colleen Nolan Tran and Ashley Francesi for a debrief on state abroad nationals. And last but not least, we get a training tip from Leander Cooper and introduce our adoptable horse of the week. Stay tuned. <music>
3: And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse.
2: This is Joy Orr in Detroit, Michigan.
1: And this is Kristen Kovach-Bentley in Jamestown, New York, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Well, Joy, it feels like life, at least for me, is getting back a little bit back to normal after the makeover. Uh, I was watching some cool videos of your trainer riding your horse recently, which was really cool. How did that go?
2: It was a lot of fun. Um, it I'm very protective of my horse because our journey has not been the easiest of journeys and she, she holds grudges. We retain a lot of bad things. So I, um, I, I don't let anyone handle my horse much besides maybe hold her for the farrier or something like I'm very protective mama bear, but my trainer, um, She rides very similar to me. She's a beautiful rider, very quiet and familiar with thoroughbreds. And to be quite honest, because I've been traveling so much with the makeover and work and all this other stuff, I'm not in the best riding shape. I have about 25 minutes in me before I start getting tired. (laughs) And uh, so I asked my trainer to kind of have a more balanced person on her to help her with her canter transitions as I'm rebuilding up my muscle And it went so well. Uh, I think it's a rare thing to say when your horse does the exact same behaviors for your trainer as they do for you. Like I was expecting this miracle, beautiful dressage horse just like walking out flawlessly because that's. How I imagine how awful of a writer I truly am. Well, that's
1: what you see right now. Like that's super trending on Reels and TikTok, right? Is everyone with the Taylor Swift
2: audio being like, "It's me, I'm the exactly," and And you're like, "Oh, it's not me." I, I actually How am nice. not the problem. It's and you'll hear this later in the show. We talk about some tight hips, but Astrid has a tight butt and that is the problem. Her butt is truly the problem. So maybe like an anaconda don't situation is more of the theme song that we need to have. <laughs> um, but I, I will say my trainer was able to like canter her on a completely loose rein. And I was like, nope. I'm going to nope right out of that real fast. (laughs)
1: Well, I mean, that's why she's the professional, right? So that's
2: fine. Yeah, so there's still things she did significantly better than me. But uh, it was was nice to be able to sit back and see my horse from the ground and see the issues she has and also, like, where a lot of her strengths are. Like, she's extraordinarily willing. I could see, like, the clock works going in her head, trying to figure out the puzzles and the questions being asked. And I know there's some stereotypes against chestnut mares haters going to hate, but she just truly took everything in stride. Even when she was a little fussy and confused, she does this little, it's not a jig, but it's like a pouty stomp with her front feet. So it almost and looks feet. like jigging, but it's, it almost looks how like Arabs come up really animated. <laughs> Oh, (laughs) Um, that's her temper tantrum. Like it's this very like five-year-old child stomping around the house, temper tantrum. And that's about the worst she's going to give you. She's not a bucker. She's not a rearer. She's not like a fire breathing dragon. She just kind of does her little five-year-old princess temper tantrum. And then she's like, fine, I'll do it. If I have to, it's all good, smooth sailing from there. So it was really nice to see. And I think we're going to continue having my trainer, Heather, hop on her a few times a week. And then eventually I'll just take the lead again. So it's going smoothly as of now.
1: Well, good. That sounds like a good relationship to have, though. It's always good to have a, a trainer that you can trust to get on, you know.
2: Yes, and a trainer who's very open. Like I told her, like do not kiss. You will regret using a kiss cue because <laughs> she only knows that to gallop. I have tried training it out of her; it does not work. <laughs> so she knows double clock means one upward transition. So if you're walking, it means trot. If you're trotting, it means canter. And she will immediately come down to a halt if you just squeeze your knees in a little bit. So all the dressage buttons I have placed. Uh, but yeah, you don't kiss on my horse unless you want to be a jockey, then okay. feel free. Noted. <laughs> Noted. If I'm ever honored enough to get to ride her, I would trust you well, on my horse Kristen. someday. I would I trust you, <laughs> <laughs> but I know while things were very like bright and bubbly on my end, I know things weren't quite the same for you recently. And you lost a, a fur baby
1: yeah and it was it was a planned thing um and before i get into it i'm just going to let listeners know if anyone does not want to hear about you know euthanasia and end of life planning just mash that 30 second button a couple of times and jump forward a couple of minutes and we'll get back to our regularly scheduled racehorse chat um but I do think it's important to have a plan for that for your horses, mm-hmm. um, and especially in a, a herd setting, the way that I keep my horses, it's um, it can be really kind of dicey sometimes to have a member of the herd leave. And what I've found over the past few years, because all of our horses live out together in one big pasture um, all season round, so mm-hmm. – um, that makes it a little bit of a challenge to keep horses up here in New York where it snows a lot, but uh, we found a system that works, uh, but they are pretty closely bonded. And this horse in particular, um, he was an aged quarter horse and he was pasture sound. And this summer was increasingly getting pasture unsound. So uh, we made the decision to let him go at the end of the fall. And what we did was, you know, this is like Jobber's best soulmate friend. Aww. So for a while he and jobber were the only horses we had. So he got very, very tight with old skip, um, and then Shorty kind of also bonded with him too. So it was like the two thoroughbreds and Skip always kind of running around. And increasingly, it was the two thoroughbreds running around and Skip standing and watching them because he wasn't comfortable to run around anymore. So um, the thoroughbreds being a little bit emotional, I wanted to make sure that they had the opportunity to actually like say goodbye. Um That's really important. sounds a little like woo-woo <laughs> maybe. But um, in the experiences I've had, if the horses get the opportunity to like see their friend um, you know, before he's buried or taken away, like they seem to accept it so much better. Yeah. so, like, I yeah,
2: we did that when we yeah. lost my childhood Arab um this summer and just kind of let my mom's horse have a moment to to grieve her and then mm-hmm. removed her the next day. So it does make a difference as hard as it yeah. is, yeah.
1: Yep, I think if I could have had the opportunity to leave him overnight, um I might have done that. Although we do have a lot of coyotes, so that might Yeah, be probably a great not the best in your either. situation. Not the best. Um, in that. Yeah, but you know, we did give the horses at least a few minutes to sort of, you know, say goodbye to their friend. Um and then we buried him pretty much right where he was out in the pasture. Um and the the uh the vet and um for lack of a better word, grave digger Combo. It's um, dad is the gravedigger and the daughter is the vet. She's pretty new out of vet school, so it was kind okay. of you know as fun as it could be to have them around. And uh, uh, Ted was very nice and he used his little excavator to set up a little headstone for us. So oh. um, it was very nice of him to plant that in the the ground. So you know we know where Skip is and you know and then we I spent you know, a couple hours just kind of hanging out and watching the horses just to make sure everybody was okay. And, and jobber was kind of breaking all of our hearts. Cause he was just sort of standing near the grave for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went out to check on him and it turns out he was just napping. I don't know that he was actually grieving. <laughs> so I was like, wow. okay, I feel a little better about this, but, uh, you know, and, and he, I would watch him kind of walk around the pasture and he'd look over his shoulder and call. And he did that for one night. And then the next day, you know, they kind of, they've, uh, I don't want to say business as usual, but they've sort of, I think because they got the time to process, you know, there's, yeah. there's very little anxiety. There's no screaming. There's no fence running. Um, I'm having a interesting time. I'm taking one horse out at a time, um, you know, just to make sure because there is a little bit of like a power vacuum or
4: mm-hmm. shift,
1: you know, that they don't have that horse to rely on now when another horse leaves to go to work. Um, so I'm rotating through the remaining four horses and taking them out one at a time or taking them out in pairs and switching the pairs up. Um, uh, To make sure that everybody is okay with like, this is still going to happen. We're still going to go to work and it's going to be fine. So um, mm.
2: but, yeah, always that's going to be always <laughs> tough to change their routine, but it sounds like yeah. you really were putting the horses first. And it is it is nice when you get a vet who can sympathize and really be there. I, I like to think all vets do that. Um, I understand that's not the case. So I'm very happy it was while well, a very sad moment was not a traumatic experience for anyone yeah
1: and it was nice that we got to make the decision you know like we were not i mean somewhat like you know we knew the horse was increasingly unsound and uncomfortable but we were able to let him go on a nice sunny day and you know just kind of ease him into the next adventure so
2: absolutely absolutely well i'm sending my condolences to you your herd and eric and thank you Yes, I I know that also probably leaves some temptation to fill that empty space. And we will be talking about
4: (laughs) an adoptable horse today and that convenience.
2: (laughs) Uh, But before we jump into today's show, let's hear from our premier sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products.
0: This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com.
4: If you've ever had a horse with diarrhea, you know what a frustrating problem it can be. Finding an ingredient that works to dry up the diarrhea becomes a high priority. It turns out that researchers have found one, a yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii. It has been proven to improve and halt episodes of diarrhea. It supplies specific nutrients to the lining of the small and large intestines, and these nutrients promote healing of irritated tissues.
2: Well, I'm super excited to welcome our next guest to the show. We have Jessica Schroeder, who's a third-generation Standard Bread owner and trainer from the Wisconsin area. She works with the United States Trotting Association for their communications department. And we're going to be talking about the Standard Bread Incentive Program, which I didn't even know there was one. So that's super exciting. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. So you've been involved with Standard Breads for a while, and you're third generation. So your parents and grandparents have been involved with it. Do you breed, just train, race? Tell us a little bit about your background.
5: So yeah, my, my mom's side of the family was from Wisconsin. So we raced in Illinois, a lot of times at the county fairs and also at the paramutual tracks. And my dad's family was from New York. And both families wintered in Pinehurst, North Carolina, and that's where they met. And so then when my parents got together, they moved to Wisconsin and we kept um, having horses there and training. Um, I first obviously got involved just working in the barn, helping out and then became an owner. Um, I actually didn't get my trainer's license until a little bit later in life, but my mom and I actually both got our first official training win with the same horse named Starry Night Star. So he has always been very near and dear to our heart. And uh, now my son, who is seven years old, is uh, doing lead line with him. So He's just uh, definitely an all-around family horse that we just love to pieces. He's 21 years old. And uh, so, yeah, we've all been involved for our entire lives. And now I'm excited to bring my son into the fold, too.
2: I think it's especially adorable that your parents met over horse racing. Um, I (laughs) wish my parents had met over a horse thing. I I guess they kind of did, but it's not nearly as cool as your story. (laughs) Um, but it's, it's great that you guys have had the standard breads as part of your lives for so long. So I can see where this desire to continue advocating for them has come from. So yeah. many of our listeners are familiar with the Thoroughbred Incentive Program, but I just recently learned about the Standard bread Incentive Program. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that?
5: Yeah, so it's actually been something that we've talked about at the USTA for quite a long time. And you know, our, even though the USTA is the breed registry for the standard bread horse, our primary function has been as the record-keeping entity for harness racing. Um, but obviously, we've always been in tune with and know that not all of our horses make it to the races. And even once they do, you know, a lot of them can't go on to become stallions and brood So, you know, there's a lot of horses that need a job after the races. Um, I feel like a lot of standard breds, they're just not exactly happy being pasture puffs if they have the ability to do something else. So we definitely wanted to create a program that gave them that avenue um, and a way to recognize people and just kind of promote them as a breed because a lot of people think of them as a cart horse and don't think of them as a riding horse. Uh, so we were hoping that the Standard Bread Incentive Program, which we just launched in the summer of 2022, so this is a really a brand new program, we're just in the infancy of getting all that information out there and trying to promote it. We have a great group of core, mostly women, who do, stay, who do show a lot of standard bred. Um A lot of them are out east, like in the Jersey area. Um, so we're just hoping that as more people um, participate in the standard bread incentive program, and then we can start gathering that information as a breed registry because we see things on social media, but it's really hard to quantify that and mm-hmm. really know where the horses are and where they're showing and where there might be pockets of standard breads. Like maybe we're going to want to have a standard bread show, you know, in New York or something. So knowing where these pockets of standard breads are that are showing, and then try and grow that area um, to have more and more standard breads that are showing in that area and just, you know, promote the use of standard breads in other off-track disciplines.
2: I, I absolutely love that. that. So, I I would imagine it will run similar to the thoroughbred incentive program. So you would want to work with, are you going to be hosting your own shows or working with local shows and having that option for people to say, you know, I showed here where it was standard bread incentive recognized, like how does that work for shows to get involved?
5: So right now we're really hoping that um, this first year was going to be um, just finding out where our horses are showing at, finding out where those pockets of horses are. So any show that any standard is showing at, they'll get credit for those placing. Um, and then our goal was hopefully for year two, we would find out where those pockets of standard are and have standard incentive program divisions at certain shows where, you know, maybe there's already five to eight horses showing in that area so that then we can kind of capitalize on that and then even grow those divisions even more. Um, you know, I think everybody's goal eventually is to have standard bread specific shows and, and things like that. Um, right now, the standard Bread Pleasure Horse Organization of New Jersey, they put on what's called the National standard Bread Show in um, Southern Jersey, and they do a phenomenal job. They've been doing it for 25 years. So just to be able to, I'm not going to say copy that, but just to expand that so that that it's not just one show that's for standard breads, but maybe we have a show series or something like that. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's, you know, ambitious, and (laughs) we're just trying to get through year one right now, but, you know, we (laughs) you always want to have, like, an end goal that, you know, we would love to to eventually get to this spot, so I think uh, when we were trying to come up with a name for this program, we thought a lot of people know what the Thoroughbred Incentive Program is. And so we kind of called it the Standard Bread Incentive Program because really that is what we aspire is to do something very similar. And people were already familiar with TIP. And so they Mm -hmm. could kind of understand where we were going to go with it.
1: I think that's fantastic. I'm going to say, I submit my performance awards to TIP every year. And I have a Standard Bread that I just started showing this year. So I will have to look into this and start submitting to SIP. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So now does it sort of... like apply a little bit retroactively because I showed my standard bread in May and June with the idea that I was going to prep him for July's standard bread national show and then didn't end Mm -hmm. up going when that got postponed. So I have some show results from May and June, but if the program didn't launch until the summer, can I still submit those?
5: Yes. So our show seasons are going to run December 1st through November 30th. And because it's online submission, we're not taking any paper submissions. Everything's done online. Um, you can do those retroactively. So people are submitting shows now that they went back to in June. Um, and some people are actively submitting shows that they're like, I'm going to this one in two weeks. Um, so as long as it happened between December 1st of 2021 and November 30th of 2022, you can get credit for that. We are probably going to, just because some people are, I'm going to say late to the party, um, so they might not have known about it. So we are probably going to give an open window of probably until about December fifteenth, where you can retroactively put in show results and trail miles. I should have said that too earlier. Um, we also are going to be doing milestone patches and stuff for logging oh, cool. trail miles with your horse. So you can do all of that retroactively as long as it's not before December first of 2021, and then you know through current. So nice, perfect. and I knew well, there was
4: this comes a out in November. Recording
2: all those miles. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> I just was just recording this, them, but I didn't know why. <laughs> this episode comes out on November 10th. So that gives people a nice window if they haven't heard of it to start putting their stuff together and sign okay. up. So if yeah. they haven't heard about it yet, what how what's the easiest way for people to sign up and join SIP, if that's what we're calling it?
5: <laughs> yeah, SIP. So uh, SIP, uh, there's an information uh, web page on the USTA website, which is www.ustrotting.com. And it's there's a section for life after racing. So if you click on that life after racing section, um, the very first box in the upper left corner is for the standard bread incentive program, and that's going to tell you we have some tutorials up there about, you know, how to enroll, how to submit a show for approval um, because we do want to verify that the show actually happened. It's not a virtual show, that it is an in-person show. And, you know, here's the show manager. So if we have to verify placings and everything like that, we we have all that contact information. And then also how to submit the actual trail miles or the show placing uh, through SIP. Basically, the only requirement is USTA membership. Which USTA membership, if you are under the age of 18, is free. So you would just have to create a USTA My Account, get your youth membership for free, and then enroll the horse. And the horse enrollment is free right now also. So basically for anybody that's under the age of 18, participating in SIP is completely free to do. Um, It's just time to log your placings or your trail miles. Um, Anybody that is over the age of 18, a new USTA membership is $90 for a year. Um, But we're going to be nailing out some participant welcome boxes with some standard swag and USGA swag in it. So while I'm not necessarily sure that it's going to be a $90 goodie box, um, it is going to, you know, kind of pay for a lot of what your USGA membership is. And then top placing horses will receive a year-end award. So we're hoping to really put some good stuff out there. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff is just going to say, you know, standard breads rock or I love my standard bread, stuff like that. So it's then everybody, once they get those goodie boxes or their um, year-end award um, for the different divisions, which are all listed on that web webpage of the USTA website, you know, that'll just help get the word out even more about standard bread and what they're doing.
1: And that was going to be my next question is that um, when I showed my standard bread, we were, of course, an open competition at a ranch horse show. So we didn't mm-hmm. place in anything, but I would imagine that it's still helpful for people to submit, you know, Classes where they didn't do well, just to help you guys, especially in this first year, kind of, you know, fact find and do all that information gathering. So would that still be worth my time?
5: (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I think it would. You know, and right now it is a little bit slow going. So there are some divisions still that do not have any horses participating yet. So you just don't know until they start coming in, you know, what divisions horses are are participating in, or what subdivisions we might be. um, Because like some divisions, like, Let's say trail and endurance, just because I was just looking that one up. You know, there's endurance ride, there's hunter paces and things like that as subdivisions. All of those are going to count for a divisional winner. But if we have enough participation in those subdivisions, then we might have a subdivision winner as well. So there's a, there's a matrix of how your are placing um, will translate to points. And so you'll get more points if you're showing an open company versus a standard red restricted class. Oh, okay. And then you'll always get participation points. So even if you didn't place, you know, you're still going to get credit for going to a show. Um, so, you points know, we just <laughs> Yes. <laughs> the fact that you're taking your standard ride out there and getting them experience and you know, trying to better yourself and your horse as a horse and rider combination, um, you know, that's that's what it's about getting out there.
1: I love that. And that's why I like programs like this, because I do think, you know, while we love having these thoroughbred only and standardbred only shows, I do think it's really important to help these horses be ambassadors for their breed if people take them out Mm -hmm. into open competition. So it's great to have a reward program like that, where like, yes, you do get credit, even if you're competing against, in my case, you know, fancy registered quarter horses (laughs) or big fancy imported warm bloods, you know, it can be tough, but we're out there doing the thing. So that's nice to know we'll get a little,
2: little shout out. So trail miles, we have those covered (laughs) for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is an amazing program. I love too, that you're offering a free option for youth because we, I mean, across disciplines, we we know it's hard to get youth to either get involved or stay involved as they get older. So hopefully this will incentivize, you know, those under 18 to track and log their progress and stay active with their horses too.
5: Yes. And I actually just saw a post on social media the other day and a woman, you know, it was her daughter and her horses first time on a trail ride. And I said, sign up for the standard incentive program. I said, cause then every single mile that they do, we can log it and they can get credit for it and get those milestone patches and everything. And it's, it's from day one that they have been together. So like, the, in endurance, they have like a decade team. And I, I just see this little girl and her horse being a decade team, you know, in 10 years where they've logged Absolutely. so many miles and, and done that. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm really looking for, I, I wish we'd been able to do this earlier because I wish we had five years of data right now, but I'm so glad that this is actually getting started and getting off the ground so that then we can really start capturing, you know, what our standard breeds are doing and, you know, and promote and recognize the people that are doing amazing things with their horses.
2: I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be sure to put in our show notes how people can get involved with SIP. And even if you don't have a standard bread but would like to support it, please go ahead and give them a follow on social media. Go ahead and share any posts they have. That's another way to give support even if you're not able to participate yourself. Uh, Jessica, what's the best place people can find more information? So the best place to find more information about,
5: you know, if you're thinking about getting a standard bread or what horses are like, you know, when they come off the track, definitely visit the USTA website at ustrotting.com. Um, that's where basically all the information about standard reds that you could want to know lives. We also, you know, call us at the office at 877-800-8782 um, and talk to anybody in our member services department. They are a great group of women um, that can basically answer any questions, or if you ask a question that they don't know, we're really good at at finding where to get that information, and then other resources. I mean, even you know places like New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. You know, they've been working with Standardbreds and Thoroughbreds for so long, and they know the ins and outs of how to train, retrain a horse, and things like that. You know, so if you're kind of stuck with the retraining aspect, I think you know working with groups like that are just great resources as well. The USTA in general is not great at that right now, but we are looking to build that program. So as we get to know more about our standard breads and what they're doing off the track, then we're also hoping to do some retraining, you know, tips and and tricks of the trade, you know, type things about how finding up, but until we know where these standard breads are and what they're doing, it's been hard for us to kind of jumpstart that, but we're really looking forward to doing something like that as well.
2: Awesome. Love yeah, I feel Well, give us a call that. when you have that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's hard. To, <laughs> we'll be happy to, to, to get all that information,
2: but yeah, once we yeah. have it, then then you're in good shape. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Jessica. We are looking forward to following your progress and again, uh, we will go ahead and make sure to share that information for our listeners so they can join Sip and or support it in any other way they can.
0: I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I'm here with Tony from Cashel. You all know it from the ads you hear all the time on this show. But we're at the trade show, and this is the point of time in the year where we find out what's new coming out. So what's Cashel have new coming out?
3: Oh, we've got a, a great lineup of 32-34 uh, wool top pads. So uh, t- describe them. Uh, five different colors, real vibrant, bright, sharp looking pads. What, are the, what makes them different? Well, it's the fill. The The... The wool felt on the inside is a natural felt, and the fleece on the bottom is a 100% merino. Oh, really? Okay. So these are soft and squishy pads. Well, not real squishy, but soft, and, and they do absorb shock and, and saddle fit. What would they
0: retail for, one of those? that's about
3: 119 that's the right price
0: yeah anything else new with Casual coming out
3: oh we've got uh, more saddle pads coming in the fall a new strap line coming in the fall it's a a two-tone that looks great with a, a great buckle set on it there's we're always in development so there's so many things projects in the works what's still your most popular product is it still always the same things year after year uh, fly you got fly, yeah fly what we all was, that's
0: how I knew you in the first place was fly fly masks yep
3: yeah, many years ago uh, we were primarily fly masks and kind of had some tush cushions and a few odds and ends. Today we've broadened that offering to saddle bags, uh, strap, head stalls, breast collars, bell boots, um, leg protection, and the, the it continues to grow. Is there a place where somebody can go and see all the products? CashelCompany.com will give you a good offering. There you go.
0: Well, thank you, Tony. It's been fun seeing you again. Hey, thank
3: you. Good to see you.
1: Well, we have with us today who's becoming recurring guests of the podcast. We have Colleen Nolan Tran and Ashley Francesi, uh, who are multi-breed writers. Um, they just came right off the Thoroughbred makeover. Colleen is a competitor and Ashley as our uh, very hardworking dressage steward. And turned right around and went right off to Standard Bread Nationals in New Jersey. So we were super excited to have them come on and talk about their experience. Hopefully, you guys also got to experience their social media takeover, which was uh, like mwah, chef's kiss mix of hilarious and informative. So we're really excited to have Colleen and Ashley on with us today. Hello. 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 So let's start with Ashley. Um, Standard Bird Nationals has always been like a highlight on your calendar. How was it going right off the makeover right into Standard Bird Nationals this year?
6: Um, I was a little worried that I'd be really stressed out and I was a little stressed out, but it's such a fun show that it kind of like brought me back into it, especially once dressage day was over and I could like relax a little bit. It wound up being really, really fun this year.
1: Nice. The photos all looked great. I think I saw you with a whole lot of green face paint on. Is uh, Oh, yeah. Is that- <laughs> so my highlight was definitely
6: this was the first year they've ever had a costume class because of the fact that it was in ho- like or, near Halloween. And um, my friends and I dressed up as characters from The Wizard of Oz. So I was, of course, the Wicked Witch of the West. And my horses were the Cowardly Lion and the Scarecrow. So it was pretty fun. Nice.
1: So Colleen, now you prepped a horse for the makeover, which is no small feat. And then of course, because Standardbred Nationals got moved from July to October, you know, you had that unique joy of taking a horse that you hadn't ridden in probably a week and turning that around and going right into Standardbred Nationals. So how did that work out for you with your like training plan? <laughs>
7: um honestly probably not as well as if I had ridden the horse the week leading up to the nationals. But also surprisingly well, considering I hadn't ridden the horse the week leading up to the Nationals. (laughs) Um, I think it helps that I wouldn't necessarily want to do that with my thoroughbred makeover horse because they're green and they're fresh off the track and they probably do need a little bit more of the training ride. But Cricket knows his job at this point. I'm pretty sure you could just kind of slap him on the butt and toss him into a dressage ring and he'd probably put something together.
1: What a guy. Oh, I'll just I'll just do it. It's fine. And that's kind of like how standard bits are, right? Like, you know, I don't want to generalize the whole breed because, of course, there's, you know, individuals. But generally, they're just like good characters who are like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing now. And they just kind of tend to roll with it.
6: I didn't ride James at all when I was like with the retired racehorse project and tip champs and stuff either. And like, I don't have anybody else riding him. So he just sat while I was gone. And then my friend Ashley was riding my husband's horse, Mr. Bling A, and he also had sat while I was gone in Kentucky. And then she came and rode him on like the Tuesday before standard bread nationals. And it was the first time they ever did more than walk. And it was his first horse show. And they won a lot of ribbons. <laughs> like, it's one of those things where like standard breeds are just like, I'm a good boy. I'll be fine. And you're like, okay, you probably will be. And like, it winds up being okay.
7: I have a horse, um, Tomcat, who I ride like every six months, just when the wind strikes me just right. I'm like, yeah, i can take you for a spin again, and I'll get on him bareback in a halter in just a neck rope. And every single time, and he's actually my funkier standard bread, but still, he's just like, whatever, she's doing that thing again, time to do the thing. <laughs> I love
1: that. So is that kind of the general vibe at standard bread nationals? Like, is it just, you know, just a bunch of easygoing horses and people are just having a good time? Colleen, I'll let you go first.
7: I will say that um, Friday morning, dressage day morning, um, it was a little crisp in the morning. And there were some people who were, who were having trouble with a slightly fresh standard bread. Um, I actually had the opposite problem. Mine is lazy under any and all circumstances. I still couldn't get him to go for his dressage test. But um, there were some <laughs> happy hee-hawing. But to be perfectly honest, considering the cold and the atmosphere, they were all very, very well behaved. Nice.
1: Ashley, what was your experience?
6: Yeah, it was, I think there was maybe a little bit more tension this year compared to last year. Last year was, I believe Colleen and I's first time there. And then this year was our second. And, um, like I feel like last year I was really stressed out and I'd really like prepared insanely well. And then this year I was kind of like, because I was at the makeover, I was a little bit more last day fair than I usually am. And then, um, And then I got there and there were a lot of people who had obviously like prepared really well. And I was like, oh, oh no. But like in general, it's just like a really fun like vibe of a horse show. And like it is a national show, but it's like a really fun show, too.
2: Yeah, I was gonna ask since you both came from the thoroughbred makeover right, jumping immediately into the State of Bread Nationals, like what what would you say is like similar and different between the two events as far as, you know, vibes, competitiveness? Like are they very similar, very different? I'll start with you, Ashley.
6: The thing that I think is really similar about both shows is that there is first and foremost a love of the breed that we're working with at both shows. Like, both shows are really devoted to making X ray sources like, palatable to the general public, and in both cases, people are really passionate about the horses that they work with, and I think that as a result, there's usually less of a competitive vibe than you have at a general horse show, just because, like, everybody there has worked really hard on a horse that's maybe like a little different than something you might usually ride. And so even though there might be a little bit of competitiveness because it is a competition, there's also that general feeling of like, I really love this breed and that person
7: also really loves this breed. And that's really cool.
1: I love that.
2: What about you, Colleen?
7: Ooh, she stole the words right out of my mouth. And then the other (laughs) probably similar vibe is Anyone at the makeover, if you look around and are like, I need insert whatever, like, oh, a lead, a bridle, a, like whatever it is, like eight people will pop out and be like, i got it for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I feel like <laughs> standard bread nationals is um, a similar vibe where everyone's willing to like jump in and give you a hand if you need one. Um, the number of people who offered to like hold cricket for me because I was working out of my trailer for the week, like, or give me a hand. And honestly, with cricket, I never need one. but. Um, the number of people who offer to jump in and help at both shows is really great. Ooh, biggest difference. <laughs> you know, the biggest difference at the uh, standard bread national show, again, not to overgeneralize the breed, but you do see a lot more people like me, um, hopping on your horse, going for like a bareback hack in the middle of the competition. <laughs> First of all, because huh. the standard bread national show is, I guess, it's, uh, I lied. People will go for hacks at the Kentucky show to um, strike that from the record. I'm wrong. Everyone will <laughs> hack their horse.
2: <laughs> so not too different overall, which is really nice.
7: Yeah, they're, I guess, identical. Now that my only difference was flawed. <laughs>
2: I love that. I love that.
1: (laughs) One thing I liked about the Standard Bread National Show, because I originally did intend to join you guys and compete in July. um, And then when it got rescheduled for October, I was like, oh, mm -mm, nope, I'm going to be in like makeover hangover mode. And I probably still am several weeks later. Um, And it just wasn't going to work. You know, up here, my horse has got a shaggy winter coat already. He's also like the shape of a potato. So that would kind of (laughs) be a lot to ask for him. Um, But one thing I did like when I was looking at the prize, list is that for most classes, there's a two gate and a three gate option and they call it two gate or three gate. They don't call it walk, trot, walk, jog, or walk, jog, lope, walk, trot, canner. Um, so do you see a lot of horses that really only come to do the two gates? Cause that's just as far as they are in their training or do a lot of horses go on to the three gate classes? Let's start with Colleen.
8: Um, I would say
7: the three gate classes tend to be anywhere between half or a third the size of the two gate. Um mm-hmm. So it also, they split it up by like green horse, rookie horse, depending on the number of ribbons the horse has. And so for example, actually cricket was in the advanced class with my lefty who um, was riding cricket in the two gate and two gate advanced, which is where you do walk trot and extend the trot. And then I only had her do walk trot just because i felt like that was all she was comfortable doing at a show um for the advanced classes and those are horses who've won i think the metric is like more than six some number of blue ribbons cricket has too many blue ribbons tough problem to have so he had to go in the advanced class and right. he was actually the only horse in that class that didn't go on but then on a lot of the green horses or rookie horses who are like closer to the track you see the numbers shrink pretty considerably either two half or a third because the classes get really big. And there are people who bring horses at all training levels because first of all, standard breads have the mind for it. Um, and then the show has kind of the atmosphere for it. What's your take, Ashley? Um,
6: similar. I think there's a lot more people in the two gate classes versus the three gate classes, just because with standard it's a little tricky to get that canner down. And so like, even if you have an okay canner at home, you might not be a person that's willing to put it out there to canner in public. If your canner is still a little 4 which occasionally happens, or if your horse still paces a little bit into the canner, but otherwise might trot pretty cleanly, there are people who will just go in and be like, heck, it's where I am in my training. And the other standard bred people will be understanding about that. But then there's also the perfectionist who are like very type A and are like, I'm not going to canter in public if it's not
1: perfect. I can see both. You know, I can understand both mindsets for sure. So you would both call it, you know, for listeners maybe who are thinking of adopting a standard bread or listeners or uh, sorry, co-hosts like Joy, who maybe just got a standard bread. um, Would you guys say that this is a, a pretty new owner friendly show or even like new to showing friendly show? Ashley, I'll start with you.
6: Yes, there are classes for everybody at the standard bread nationals, like no matter your comfort level for somebody who's brand new to standard breads, it's a really, really like comfortable vibe. Um, For example, my friend Ashley, who borrowed my husband's horse, she owns her own standard bread, but she was like, maybe I just want to take the first time I do nationals with like less pressure and ride another horse. And like, that's fine too. Like you can kind of like choose your own adventure with it and have it be relaxed. So it's definitely new owner friendly. It's definitely new standard bread owner friendly. I love that.
2: Colleen, what are what are your thoughts on it?
7: Yeah, I would say, so for me, I actually have not done a lot of like hunter jumper type showing. Um, so I find the standard bread national show prize list to be a little bit daunting but fortunately, the um, board of the SPHO New Jersey, just a standard, standard bred pleasure horse organization of New Jersey, any one of them, you can reach out to them and be like, hey, what exactly does this like? Last year when I brought cricket, he was still considered a rookie horse. And I was like, or green horse. I don't remember. And I contacted them. I was like, so should I be bringing my horse that is most assuredly not green? Because I've had him and been riding him for. I've been six years at that time. Mm-hmm. And should I be putting him in the green class? And they were like, yep, it's just based on the ribbons. You can put him in as many classes as you want. Then they explained all of the classes to me. And so, you know, I found it to be a little bit <laughs> scary just reading the prize list because I was like, what do all of these words mean? Yeah. Um, I was like, how do you touch English pleasure? I'm having fun. I'm having a pleasant time. Do I win? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> um, I'm smiling. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look how pleasurable we are, um, but I found them to be a very like approachable gang who again, all just want to see the standard bread do well um and they also want to get as many people into showing with their standard bread as possible, and so I find it to be like a very low pressure show like you don't No one's going to look at you funny if you don't have the right boots or if you put the wrong saddle pad on your horse or if you show your horse in an English pleasure class with a dressage bridle. Ask me how I know. So you can do all of those things (laughs) and they'll still welcome you with open
2: arms. (laughs) Uh, I love it. So lovely. I wish more horse shows were like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, let's just (laughs) petition to make all shows like the racehorse shows, like regardless. of We should do a
2: combined show. I want to oh, see if we be can be ever fun. put together a thoroughbred and standard bread show. It'd be fun. Uh,
1: yeah. But we'd run the three of us. Well, the four of us now we'd be run off our feet. <laughs> <laughs> trying to <show> yeah. God, <laughs> it'd be really hard to Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> listeners, awesome. if you are not yet inspired to get involved, uh, we are going to archive the takeover from Colleen and Ashley on our Instagram. So give that another uh, view through when you get a chance. And if that doesn't inspire you to get yourself a standard bread and go to the standard bread national show, then we don't know what will. So Colleen and Ashley, thank you, ladies, so much for joining us once again. Always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having us.
6: Yeah, thank you very much for uh, like bringing us back after that takeover.
3: It
1: was maybe a little dicey there for a while. It was just, it was, it was fun. It was good, clean fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joy, when you were at the makeover, did you happen to go through the RRP store?
2: I did. And I have to say, there's a lot of fabulous new things that you guys have put out there. I got a sun shirt and a long sleeve, and even Zach picked up a hat that he enjoys wearing almost every day.
1: Oh, cute. We're gonna have to see some pictures of him. I think he'll I will definitely
2: get that. Although he he got the one with the three disciplines. And oh, that's he, my favorite one. I loved it too. He was very excited about it. He saw someone else wearing it and said, I have to get that hat. So I told him exactly where we're gonna go. And he thought that the cross country horse was a fox hunting horse, which is very cute. So it, just I mean, a fun, it could be, yeah. Just without he's, he's really fox. trying to learn the disciplines. I'm I'm hey, pretty impressed with how much he remembered.
1: <laughs> there's a lot of crossover there, so yeah, he's uh he's on track for podcast thoroughbred horse husband of the year. I think so. Good for him. Absolutely, absolutely.
2: But well, tell us what's new because I can go on and on about how many cute things there are. But I'm going to let you take the lead on this one.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, we have a ton of new gear for the winter. Um, we have partnered with a few of our favorite brands in general. So there's gear from Horseware Ireland. There's gear from Ariat. Um, so it's I all love good the Ariat quality. Ones. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I love too, that they do both English and Western apparel. So, you know, we've got stuff for people like me, uh, who ride Western and stuff for people like you who ride English. So, uh, there's a little bit of stuff for everyone. Um, everything is, you know, co-branded with the RRP's logo. Um, and it's that little horse head with the crown on it. That's, essentially become kind of a symbol of the off-track thoroughbred. So when you're wearing that, you know, you're proclaiming to the world proudly um, that you are an off-track thoroughbred person. Um, The nice thing is, is all of those purchases directly support the Retired Resource Project too. So not only can you get some really cool gear, uh, but you're also helping benefit the mission. So uh, fortunately, we are home now from the makeover and the store is back online and shipping again. So if you want to do a little bit of early holiday shopping, just head over to the rrp.org slash shop. Uh, and we do have a special code for listeners. If you use code Radio 10 all one word, at checkout, you will save 10% on your order through Black
2: Friday. So go ahead and get on that now, listeners. That's an exclusive just for you guys. Perfect for the holidays. I'm going to get Zach some more things, I think. He's becoming quite the thoroughbred fan. so maybe that means we'll get to get another one.
1: (laughs) Yes, there you go. Yeah, adopt one from New Vocations and then get some RRP gear on. And we do have uh, expanded stuff for men
2: as well, so we are getting more into the menswear. He very much appreciated that, by the way. Just saying. So something for everyone at the store. Check it out and then let us know. Like, Snap photos and tag the Retired Resource Project. I know they're going to love that.
1: Uh, we would love that.
2: Well, it's our favorite time of the episode. We have Leandra Cooper from New Vocations joining us again to bring us another fab trading tip in our adoptable horse of the week. Welcome back, Leandra.
8: Well, thanks for having me.
2: I would just like to point out that this is our 91st episode. You have been a part of Retired Race Horse Radio for 91 episodes so far. <laughs> We're getting close to 100. I feel like we'll have to do a celebratory thing when we get there. But can you can you personally believe we've made it this far?
8: <laughs> Absolutely. It's fantastic. I'm I'm grateful that I have gotten to be part of it.
2: I love your positivity. I was shocked. But <laughs> <laughs> but we'll bring you a, another training tip for our great listeners here. So selfishly, I'll be honest, I'm dealing with this issue, but I'm sure other listeners are too. We've heard about horses with tight shoulders, but what about exercises for horses with tight hips, the ones who kind of get stuck or locked and maybe reluctant to move from underneath themselves?
8: Yeah, that's that's a pretty comprehensive um, question because it involves so many different parts of their body. And um, I always recommend people look at it from a big picture perspective because with the hips... Um, You know, the hip is like the point of hip is like a a more distinguished part. It's right around with the flank and you can kind of point to it and see it. But more often we see horses who are having tension through their gluteal muscles um, and through their SI. So it's a big picture kind of perspective that you'll need to take to really hone in on what exactly is uncomfortable. So with horses coming right off the track, we really commonly see horses have really tight hind ends. And quite a bit of that I'd say is the muscle group. Um I always describe the horses when they're coming off the track as having this very defined sort of drag muscle. There's a lot of pressure on the forehand. They're encouraged to lean into the bit a lot of times, sort of grab the bit and pull through to um pick up on on strength and power to to keep on going and and get the speed that they need. There's not a whole lot of emphasis on collection. And as we help a horse transition, we can see that those muscles are are adjusting and and they might have this tightness in their hind end when we really want them to have more fluidity and get them to stretch underneath themselves. So for horses coming right off the track, um, time and just the uh, change in their job and the, the venue and having more turnout, all of those things will really help to just be able to develop new muscles and allow those muscles to relax and um, just change into softer, stretchier muscle. But for what we can do for them in um, a more controlled way, I would say is that Warm-up becomes really important, Um, allowing a horse, like even if you're going to the ring, kind of like if you have the ability to walk them around, hack them out, get them into a more relaxed mindset, which enables them to sort of um, loosen and stretch before you start work is really important. So giving them like at least 10 minutes warm-up is something that I really like to do. And then even from the ground, one of the things that I've worked with our chiropractor who's also a, a vet is... To work on some stretching that you can do from the ground, which is a little bit hard to describe, uh, but it involves, you can practice every time that you pick up your horse's feet, for example. Like I, especially with horses who will kind of try to pull away that hind leg when you're picking their feet, um, that might tell me that it's uncomfortable for them to hold it up. Like that might be like, I imagine having like a Charlie horse, right? Like it might be uncomfortable for them to hold it up like that. So then we think about, okay, well, can I help you stretch this then? Like people will think that they're trying to kick them. And that's almost never the case is in our, my experience. And we work with hundreds of horses a year. Like a lot of times they're just trying to get away from the discomfort, which is a normal horse thing to do. So you can help them to stretch back, and stretch forward so that you're encouraging that stretch but not like yanking the leg and ideally i even will let them sort of rest in a position where the toe is flexed back like the leg is totally relaxed and even they can drop into their hip so if they are like having hip discomfort and then you see them drop down into that hip um, so that they're relaxing it that's a great sign you can also if you get them to loosen up a bit do circles in both directions with that back leg right then you know you're working on even more malleability so say you're picking up your horse's feet and you feel this tension you can stretch forward stretch back sort of work on that and then do little circles and try to make them bigger and of course you're going to know when they start to relax a bit because like we can think about doing that exercise and be like yeah right the horse is just going to try to pull back and, you know, like we get, we all know that those situations where the horse is really tense. So when you start to work on that little by little, then you're really helping them from the ground up and everything that you try to do under saddle is going to become a lot easier. It's it's really hard to force that under saddle because so much of it is just developing the new muscle groups. So if they have a really weak top line, you need to develop that, so that they can get back and they, they can actually work on those muscles for collecting. And then the more you work on that, the more they're going to be able to actually shift back and like be able to have a more balanced system. Cause that's ultimately what it's all about is, you know, if they're tight, they're just kind of, um, generally they are compensating for something else, So then they're carrying this sort of disproportionate um, tension there. And then they can see back and forth like that. If you don't ever really get to the whole comprehensive picture. So a big part of it is just making sure that you're identifying what exactly is Bothering them, but well, you know, if it is their SI, um, if they do need to just get adjusted, if if you need to address something else, there are lots of shortcuts, of course. So, you can encourage a horse. There are multiple different things like uh, robaxin, dantrolene, estrone. There are lots of shortcuts to getting them to relax, like actual muscle relaxants and getting them to open those hips up. So, if you're having a lot of issues and it's hard for your horse to work through a, a pain element, um, I definitely recommend bringing in your vet and making sure you're on the right track before you just start using something to, um, put a band-aid on it or shortcut. But there are lots of things that can help if you're in a more acute phase of pain or discomfort, just to help them get through it. And then just full body picture, getting, making sure that they're relaxed and have that baseline of relaxation. Then if you notice tension somewhere, you're going to really see, um, hopefully be able to identify it and address it in a more targeted fashion.
1: I love all those Amazing how often that, you know those coincide, right? Like the discomfort mm-hmm. in training. How often we're at those crossroads. <laughs> so yeah. thank you for that, Andrea.
8: Well, and also yeah. just sometimes the pace that you're training because it's like if I went to the gym and I just started trying to really like hit a new muscle group that hasn't been worked as much. It's like your one of your weaker points. Then, you know, of course you're, you're probably going to be a little sore. So then if you try to push through that, you might feel more discomfort before it gets better. So then it's kind of like, you know, we have to look at the big picture of how we're training them. And that includes the, the time factor of it and the pace of it and really being able to listen to the feedback your horse is giving you.
2: I think this is excellent and a very, like, like you said, a big picture way to look at it. Like I didn't even realize that my horse might just have tight glutes because she is a little finicky when I pick up her back legs and she's never malicious. I don't think she's actually trying to kick me. We did have some issues with the front feet, but that was a different situation. So Mm -hmm. I just kind of assumed she was, you know, fussy, but she does have tight glutes. We got her a massage gun, which if your horse likes body work that's something you can desensitize them to on the lowest setting. So I think I'll start implementing that before rides and kind of help relax those muscles and see how she goes from there.
8: Absolutely. And first of all, those massage guns are great for people too. We have one in the we, barn. We have three of them in our
2: house. Like we're selfish. I love that. <laughs> my dog has important. one. Me and my partner have one.
8: I love that. But then also, you know, if a horse is used to that discomfort too, you know, that they like that'll that will contribute to issues that you're having in training because then they might brace and have that sort of mental programming preparing for pain. And then, you know, it's sometimes hard to then chase the chicken and egg effect of like, okay, you know, we could release the discomfort and you could still see some of the training issues. Um, because they just need to realize that they're not going to have to be preparing and bracing for pain. So, so really, I think, yeah, definitely picking up on those things that will give you the hints to where to start. But then, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a pretty comprehensive, it's a big picture thing. It's just, there's so many different parts that can be involved. Like even, you know, putting hind shoes on your horse to help them get off their, just their hind done for some of the horses who have had pain in their SI that you just have to, it just takes time to strengthen that area. So it's like in the meantime, you you can do a lot of little things to help them. But it's it's definitely a big picture thing. Uh, that that's the only real forward moving solution.
2: I love God, it's horses a long steady race. <laughs> yeah. I know. Like we could have picked up knitting, but you know what, we wouldn't yeah. feel nearly <laughs> as fulfilled. But speaking of horses who are hopefully a little less complicated, let's get to our adoptable horse of the week. And I'm gonna butcher saying this, so I'm gonna let you take the lead, Leandra.
8: <laughs> well, this is why he has the, the nickname that he does. So, <laughs> our name's Nikano, a name Nikano Takeo, which I'm probably still butchering it. Uh, but he's a 2019 gelding, and we call him Taco, which was just, uh, I think, some of uh, an, an effort to just create a sort of a slang, a nickname for him, um, quite a mouthful. And um, he is a 16 hand gelding who sire is Uncle Mo and. Um, I don't even remember at this point if we've, I'm sure we have talked about another Uncle Mo, but we have Mm -hmm. found that their personalities are pretty consistent in that they tend to be really level-headed, goofy, kind, like the big dog personalities, pretty consistently. Um, Again, that's a huge generalization, but that's just what we tend to see. And. Uh Taco's a horse who we've had for a little bit of time. He had come with a sesmoid injury that involved his suspensory. And he was in training and pretty consistent. And then we just decided to scale him back from that for looking again the big picture at uh what was gonna be what he enjoyed doing and what he could be good at in the long term. And this is a horse who has already hacked out quite a bit um, with buddies and without and who has just gone willingly and with a good attitude towards every new challenge so he's one who has become a favorite in the barn and a a pretty good just solid member of any herd that you put him in he can be a good buddy outside he can be a good buddy to other horses if they're having confidence issues he's a fun horse himself and one of the things i love most about him is that you could not ride him for two weeks and get on him and he would be exactly the same so I, he's just one of those diamond in the rough type horses where you don't meet a lot of personalities that are just so cool as a cucumber at three years old. And I think that he's just going to get better with time. So even though he's not going to be the most upwardly physically capable horse with different athletic endeavors, like this is a solid horse. This is the the what people are really going for in a package. So, I just think like if you wanted a husband horse or a weekend warrior type horse, then he is absolutely the guy that you should be looking at. And on top of that, he is eligible for our shipping credit. So we will reimburse up to five hundred dollars for transporting him to make sure that he can go to the right home for him and to just um you know, create a little buffer for anybody wanting to move forward with him. So it's, it's not going to be a big financial investment. You know, he's one in our lowest adoption fee category because he does crib. Um, so he wears a cribbing collar for that, but he's just going to be, I think a perfect member of your family or just your program. Um, so yeah, I, I love taco.
1: He's very cute. Uncle Mo really stamps his get i mean i looked at this picture yeah. and before i looked at the information mm-hmm. i was like oh this looks like an uncle mo and i was like oh absolutely i think that's like why you recognized faces. him so- Kristen. Absolutely. yeah that might be why <laughs> yeah he's just got that uncle mo face and they are all sure really does. sensible we've seen a lot of the makeover and they're just like good citizens so yeah mm. super cute guy i could see him being yeah. a lovely little western trail horse and he's absolutely. only three oh, so he's absolutely. gonna like he's, he'll bulk up even more than this he's
2: gonna be a stunner yeah uh-huh And he's a good size. Like he's 16 hands, which is like, like you said, Leandra, a very nice husband size horse, especially if you have like a six foot plus type rider, like he's going to fill out nicely, really can, but even if you're five foot two, like you'll still have a good time on him. Yeah.
8: And that's, you know, the, the rider in one of the videos, it's just like a strict riding video. She's five foot seven and her legs aren't below his belly at all. Like he's, he takes up a good amount of leg. We've got a video up on his profile on our website, horseadoption.com. If you go to his profile, you'll see even a first person video with actually our program director, Anna Ford. She's riding him. You can see from the saddle and then you can see her riding him with her daughter and her little pony um, Uh who they, they've become good riding out buddies and he is her go-to mount. So if Anna Ford is going out on a trail, with her daughter, Taco's the one she's taking. I've tried to get her to ride other horses, and he's just the one that she's like, I know that he's going to do the job that I want him to do. I know he's going to be solid. So if our third program director can pick this horse reliably every time, I truly believe somebody else is going to love this horse. He's that reliable. But it's a really stinking cute video, too. You can see the pony kind of trotting after him. Uh, so he, just, he does well in a lot of different situations. He's just a cool horse. I love that.
1: Leandra, do you know, since he's unnamed with the jockey club, I assume he's registered. Um, it always confuses Mm -hmm. me because you can have a registered horse that's unnamed. So could the adopter go through and register a name with the jockey club for this horse if they wanted to adopt him?
8: Yes, absolutely. And I actually, that just happened with another horse who was unnamed and they went ahead and informed us us of his new name so they you know blank slate you can pick it you can um, get them registered with whatever you want through the jockey club and then have it official
1: well
2: that's fun and we did a whole episode taco oh
1: my gosh! (laughs) i just want him to be named uncle taco please
2: i was gonna say Kristen, we did a whole episode on naming so check back from our summer episodes you can get something creative adopt this amazing horse and let us know what you end up putting him through at the jockey club because we'd love to hear it Leandra, thank you so much again for joining us, bringing us these training tips and these horses. It's always a fabulous time with you. Everyone check out horseadoption.com to check out Taco as well as any of the other new vocation horses. There's there's really too many good ones to choose from. You can't go wrong.
8: Yeah. Well, thanks for that shout out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Leandra, until next time, it's always a pleasure, but we will look forward to chatting with you again soon.
8: Well, thanks again for having me.
2: You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at
1: retiredresourceradio.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram, just search for Retired Resource Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. I can be found on Instagram at the Horseback Rider and on Twitter at Kristen Kovach. My email is kbentley at the rrp.org. We've been getting a lot of really cool show uh, suggestions for topics, so
2: keep them coming. I can't wait to see that list. It's we have some cool stuff coming up. I just want to want to preface that and get you all excited uh, you can find me on instagram at miss and my email is joy at com. thank you so much to our sponsors kentucky performance products and Cashel company and to our partners new vocations adoption program and the retired Racehorse project don't forget to check out all the other shows on horse radio network part of equine network at horseradionetwork.com remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride and add more leg bye guys Bye.